welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. We are so delighted you are with us. Welcome to our listeners all around the world. Hello to you in Ireland and um, Australia and, of course, Texas and our friends in Seattle. We are so thrilled you've joined us today. We are talking about coffee trends, um, such an interesting topic, and we have a very special guest with us today, Umeko Motoyoshi. And before I introduce Umeko, I always love giving a quick update on what's going on at Anikona Farm. We Oh, today the ocean is so blue in Kona. I'm looking down at Kona Town. Oh, it's so lovely, so beautiful. We've been spending days outside on the farm getting ready for our our harvest, which will be happening in about a week and a half or so. We have red cherry starting to show up on the trees, and we always pick when it's its ripest, beautiful red cherry. And to ensure that that red cherry, I was just going through the trees this morning, morning. The beans look beautiful. Um, We've actually had to make sure that the beans are healthy. We don't use any pesticides. We're very good to our trees, but we do have to actually um, make sure that we put an organic fungus on top of the trees we spray to... um, to ensure that we don't have a borer beetle problem. So here in Kona, in Halualoa, in the coffee belt, all the farmers actually pull together, and we've been using this organic fungus that is helping all of us to ensure that this little borer beetle that looks like a little black sesame seed is um, not a problem. So we've been doing doing these agricultural days on the farm. Um, So that's been really fun. And so now we're going to be talking about coffee trends. You won't want to miss. And our wonderful guest, Umeko, is joining us um, from the Bay Area and San Francisco area. And Umeko Motoyoshi is the head of coffee at Sudden Coffee. And she's leading product development there and has had quite a long uh, journey in coffee. And we are delighted to speak with you and welcome you today, Umeko. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, we are so glad you're here, and we are really excited to hear about how you got involved in coffee and a little bit about your early days in your career. Um, please tell us a little bit about that. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I I was thinking about this earlier. I was talking this w- about this with my CEO, Josh, and he was asking about the first time I ever drank coffee, and I hadn't really thought about this before, but it's, it's one of my first memories and my dad drank a lot of coffee and I was always curious about it. And I remember when I was probably three, um, sneaking a sip from his coffee cup and then he, and it tasted amazing to me. It tasted so good that I thought I probably had done something wrong. It probably was some kind of candy that I wasn't supposed to, um, taste. So, then he asked me if I had some of his coffee. I was like, no, I, t- I don't know. No, not at all. And he's like, well, that's 
so strange because your breath smells like coffee. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, I don't, I don't know why. Like, that's so weird because I didn't have any. Like, wow, that's really strange. Uh, that's so weird. Your breath smells exactly like coffee. I was like, I know. Super weird, right? <laughs> um, but that's I, funny. <laughs> I really just loved coffee from then on and was always trying to drink my dad's coffee. Eventually, he just started making me decaf coffee <laughs> to drink um, on my own. And so I, when I was a little kid, would bring a commuter mug full of decaf coffee to school with me every day. Um, and, <laughs> and it, you know, it reminded me of my dad. Like I wanted to be like my dad. It made me feel adult and like I was like him. Um, yes. And he introduced me to tea as well. Um, he was a Japanese tea ceremony master. I'm half Japanese. And so I learned about coffee from him and I learned about tea ceremony from him Um, and that was where I really learned the idea of how you can serve someone something warm to drink and that can be so meaningful it can mean so much it can be an act containing um, so much more humanity and kindness um, than you might notice right on the surface of it, you know, that underneath and inside there's, there's so much there, there can be. Well, it's so So, true. It's very welcoming. And the hospitality of that, maybe you'd be so kind to share with us how a Japanese tea ceremony briefly might, what that might entail. Yeah, of course. Um, So Japanese tea ceremony is, uh, often understood as something that's very ritualized, maybe austere. Um, and there's sort of an exotic kind of air around it. And my dad, uh, he, so he taught tea ceremony and he loved to just cut through that. And he, he was a super funny guy and he would start his talks about the tea ceremony and he would be really serious and he'd be like, all right, so tea ceremony is incredibly difficult. What you do is you boil the water and you make tea. And then he'd be silent and everyone would just like wait for him to say more. And they would, then they would kind of get that he was making a joke and everyone would start laughing. And it was like a great way of kind of cutting, cutting through that idea of, of it being something that's very complex and austere. Um, and, and mystical. So, so what happens essentially is, yeah, you, you boil water, you have um, certain vessels that are made specifically for that, uh, for that purpose of preparing tea, boiling the water, um, and you have your, your vessel, your little cup, um, you, you can choose whatever kind of cup you like, and your tea ceremony is is uh, centered around matcha, powdered green tea. So you add your green tea to the cup with a little bamboo scoop, and then you have a little bamboo whisk. You add your water and and you whisk the tea, and and you serve it, and it's very simple. Um, And that's what my dad really loved to express about it, is that the, um, the ceremony of it is uh, is beautiful, but the the real um, 
the real purpose is service and connection. And the real purpose is to, to share something and to share a moment with other people. That's, that's so beautiful. And it seems like that is something that you have actually loved throughout your coffee career is that whole element of sharing and connecting. So initially, it sounds like you were a coffee educator and you had, mm-hmm. you did, you taught various brew classes like at Blue Bottle Coffee. Um, mm-hmm. How did those days go? Right. Yeah. So I, I started out, um, you know, I started out as a barista. I did a lot of things in coffee. I managed cafes. I worked rebuilding espresso machines for a while. Um, and then I moved on to San Francisco and led the education department at Four Barrel Coffee. Um, and that was a super, um, a super eye-opening experience for me when I started training baristas. Um, and I learned a lot from that experience. I, I learned a lot about meeting people where they're at. Um, when I was, when I was teaching, um, you know, one-on-one eight hours a day and I was, you know, 20, 25 or 26 or something. And I had just been, I'd never done anything like that. And suddenly I was in this situation where it was like, I was with, these people who were um, learning how to do something that was kind of hard, like making espresso is, is it's a little, it's a little com- complicated if you've never done it before. It's a lot of new muscle memory to learn and the theory behind it can seem intimidating. Um, so I really uh, learned a lot about listening um, and uh, reading people and trying to meet where they're at and changing, you know, my approach based on, on what they were responding to. And it was that, it was actually teaching that really um, helped me to find kind of my center around what I really wanted to do. Um, I really wanted to do something that helped people, something that was oriented around service in a a meaningful and connected way. Oh, that's so wonderful. When you were teaching, what did you find that some of those coffee stories where when you would listen to people, what were those things that really helped them be able to learn about the importance of making a good espresso or uh, what were some of those elements? Well, I... (laughs) kind of funny um I think similar to tea ceremony there tends to be an understanding of espresso preparation as something that's really it's very ritualized it's complex it's almost mystical and um at that time in the coffee industry you know not even that long ago it was super encouraged to really like perpetuate that and um and and I I was trying to teach people and I also felt like I had to be really complicated about it. And that was not successful. And when I started teaching more in a style that aligned with what, how I'd seen my father teach tea ceremony, going back to that principle of, um, you boil the water and you make the tea. <laughs> yes. Um, I, you know, that was when I was able to be a lot more impactful and helpful to people. Um, you know, just, just really putting aside every part of, 
um, ego, wanting to seem like some kind of cool coffee master and, and, and really putting that aside and just wanting to like, you know, just to help someone. It's like, Hey, like this is your job. They sent you to this training. You're here with me for six hours. Um, let's, let's do this. Like, let's make this useful. Let's make this fun. And I want you to walk away and be able to make coffee and enjoy it. I can imagine that you made such a difference in, in their learning about coffee and how you always sort of ensured that you would be welcoming and bring that hospitality and listen. Um, so I bet they really appreciated that. You happen to be a licensed Q grader, Umeko, and that's yeah. a very <laughs> special um, credential that you've earned. How does one become a licensed Q grader? And tell us please a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was funny. I had uh, thought for so long that, oh, like I could never be a Q grader. That's what only the smartest, like most important people do is become Q graders. <laughs> that could never be me. Um, and I was, have been super lucky to have a few really great mentors. And I, um, when I met Kale Fresse, who is one of the founders of um, Sudden Coffee, he's, he was like, yeah, just go, go, just go do it. Just get your curator. You can totally do it. And no one had ever said that to me before. <laughs> um, and I, I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, just do it. And I was like, okay. And I, I asked Josh, who's, our, who's the other co-founder and our CEO, if, I was like, well, can I go do this? It takes a week to do this course. Um, it costs this much money. And he's like, oh, yeah, don't, totally do it. No one had ever said that to me before. The messages I had gotten were like, you can't do that. It's too hard. It's expensive. You won't be supported. Suddenly it was like total opposite. And so I, I went and I did it. And um, I, what was super empowering about the experience was realizing that, um, that I do totally belong in the room. And I think particularly as uh, a woman and in especially coffee industry, which is pretty like male dominated, I often feel like I don't belong in the room and um, going and getting my Q grader and having it be something that was totally like, Oh my gosh, I know this stuff. I can totally do this. This is, this is like doable completely for me. It was super empowering. And I feel a lot more confidence now um, from going through that experience, it was super validating. And I met such incredible people doing that class. The instructor, Jody, um, was so supportive and so validating. And I think more than anything, um, it was an experience that changed how I thought about myself as a person, um, as, as well as how I thought of myself as, you know, a coffee professional. Fantastic. So that entails, Umeko, when you're actually able to, you know what it takes to identify a good quality coffee. You can actually yes. do the whole cupping process. Right. Please tell us a little yes. more. Right. So the, um, the process itself, you go to three days of, of lectures and practice tests. And the tests are sensory tests. So, for example, um, you have 
solutions with different concentrations of sweet, salt, and sour. And um, you will identify, okay, this is a level one sour, level two sweet, level three salt. Um, And then those solutions are mixed together. So you will taste a solution and say like, oh, okay, so the solution contains a level two salt, a level one sweet, and a level three um, sour. So those like sensory tests kind of like that. And then there's uh, aroma tests where you will smell scents and identify what the scent is. You also do cupping tests. So learning how to use the SCA cupping form, the Specialty Coffee Association cupping form. Um, and and that a, a lot of it is about just like learning how to fill out the boxes because <laughs> there's a lot of boxes. Um, and you want to remain um, within calibration with the rest of your your group as well. And the sensory tests, I, I found them really fun. I, I the, the blind cuppings are my favorite. Um, that's where you will taste three different samples of a coffee and one of them is an outlier. One of them is a different coffee and you identify which one is the different coffee. Um, and it'll, some of them will be super easy and some of them will be so hard. Um, I love doing the cuppings. What was super hard about the whole testing process, cause you have three days of lectures and then three days of tests. Um, is the, just it's test after test after test after test, and you become really mentally exhausted. But then at the end, you just feel like, oh my god, I did so much. I just did all that. It's like super rewarding. Well, congratulations! That's incredible, and I can imagine that helps you with your position head of coffee at Sutton Coffee and Umeko. Mm -hmm. We can't wait to hear more about that right after the break. And listeners, (laughs) please do join us. We'll continue chatting with our special guest, Umeko. We'll talk to you soon. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvin Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story, and we are sharing favorite coffee stories with Umeko Motoyoshi, head of coffee at Sudden Coffee. And we are we have been talking about what it's like to become a Q grader. And um, Umeko, congratulations on accomplishing that. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> yes. Tell us a little bit, please, about um, how you've been doing special blends for sudden coffee and some of the mm-hmm. instant coffees that you're working on currently. Yeah, of course. So um, we are, I've been working on blends, and it's a really exciting way to do blends that is really new to me, and it hasn't been done before kind of period, which is like super exciting. Um, I think I really like blends and the idea of blends. And I I mean, of course, I I grew up in the specialty coffee um, world that focuses so much on single origins and this idea of kind of um, the purity of a single origin. And the blend typically in within that framework is underutilized, I would say. It just has not been optimized. So historically, you know, the blend has been used for coffee that's left over, <laughs> essentially, and they don't know what to do with it, so they will put it in the blend. Um, you don't really ever know what's in the blend. There's no transparency no one's telling you, oh, this is our blend that we're super proud of and it has this beautiful single origin coffee and this beautiful single origin coffee. Here's all the farm info. It's not really done like that. And um, I wanted to I wanted to make blends really shine and really optimize how uh, how a blend can be how it can be done, how we can communicate about it. And the other part of the process that I was super interested in is where in your whole process do you actually blend the coffee? And it depends on the roaster. You know, some roasters will blend the green coffees and then roast them all together in in the same batch. Um, or some roasters will roast the blend components separately and then blend them. Um, but nobody blends the coffee after it's already been brewed. <laughs> and, <Yes. laughs> and so that was super interesting to me. And uh, when I started working at Sun and I was like, oh, we can totally, we can totally um, innovate here. So 
what we do is um, a post-brewing and drying blending process. And I really love that because it allows me so much control over the finished product. I can take my blend components, and I prefer to do two-component blends, keep it really simple. Um, I'll taste those coffees. I like to cup them and then brew them as filter and get a, a good feel for what they're like. I will brew them individually to their own specifications to bring out really specific qualities in both those coffees. Um, so brew them individually, dry them individually with their own specifications, and then blend them. And it's incredible how much control I get over the finished product that way. So um, I also really love doing blends because it allows me to really deliver something that I think my customers will like. And I'm super lucky because my customers email me like all the time and they tell me what they want to try next. Um, and I have a, a really direct open line of communication. So someone will email me and uh, say, okay, I want the coffee, the next coffee that you do, can you, can you use something that's like more fruity, but I don't want it to be too fruity. And I'll, I'll write that down. I have um, a, you know, a spreadsheet where I keep all of these requests. And I'll look at everything and kind of think, well, how do I deliver? Like, what are people asking for the most? And then how do I deliver that in a way that exceeds expectations, that is creative and, um, and exciting and is even better than what someone even imagined? And blends really allow me that flexibility. It's like um, having more paints on the palette you don't have to pick just one color <laughs> if yes. someone wants purple you can take red and you can take blue and you can give them purple <laughs> yeah that's delicious well at Sun Coffee uh, you are really focusing on high quality beans that make an instant coffee like no other. And this is a new trend where I think Sudden Coffee is coming up with um, just a delicious instant coffee that makes it easy to enjoy. Um, how did Sudden Coffee begin, please? Oh, yeah, of course. So um, we we were founded by Kali Fresse, who is a, um, a Finnish barista champion. He won the finished Barista Championships two years in a row. And he started a cafe in Helsinki and he was 23, 24 at this time, super young. Um, he started a cafe. He got really into service and along the same lines as, as the, the things that, that I have thought about for most of my career too, you know, he was thinking about how you can make someone feel with a cup of coffee, how you can make someone feel, um, what you can express by serving someone. And he became frustrated by the physical limitation of the cafe. He could only serve so many people per day. He could only have that impact on so many people because he was limited by space. He came up with this idea for specialty instant coffee um, because he was really obsessed with how to make someone's day better in a way that um, was kind of unlimited, like taking the limits off of hospitality. So he, uh, 
he came up with this idea. He happened to run into a, a guy who was like a professor at the University of Zurich who had um, worked for uh, some major flavor houses and uh, like a food science guy. And he asked him if, if this was possible to make really good specialty instant coffee. And this guy was like, yeah, yeah, totally. So um, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's awesome. He at the time was working with uh, Katarina Fake on this cafe and Katarina Fake is the uh, co-founder of Flickr um, and uh, with Yuri Engstrom, who's another um, Finn and he's a, a Finnish entrepreneur. Katarina and Yuri really loved this idea of specialty instant coffee and they helped Kale move to San Francisco and, and start this company. They introduced him to Josh and uh, Josh had, you know, similarly become really obsessed with the idea of service through a totally different kind of experience. He got his degree in industrial engineering at Stanford and had worked in the tech um, world. He had worked on a series of food startups, and that was um, how he became really obsessed with this idea of service. It was like he was really chasing something that he couldn't identify until the first time that he actually... Um, he was at like a music festival and he ended up um, serving uh, drinks, serving blueberry smoothies, I think it was, to strangers. And he noticed that it really changed people's mood and it really made them happy. And he, he really got that it was like, okay, this is what, this is how I want to connect with people. So when um, Kale and Josh were introduced, they really resonated um, around this idea of, of making people feel good, you know, just like doing something that is simple but contains a lot of humanness and can have a lot of impact. And they started sudden <laughs> together. Oh, thank you for sharing that story. That That is really interesting. I love the focus of service and certainly um, – Sudden coffee with the, inst, you know, qual- nice instant coffee is definitely mm-hmm. one of the coffee trends that we're seeing in 2017. Mm-hmm. Certainly, the shift to specialty coffee is um, really an important trend in coffee. But we've also seen how, um, you know, people are looking for like new measure of value. They're focusing on the experience versus the price. Um, They're really focusing on like the founding team and the stories around, you know, how that company operates. Uh, People are looking for quick grab and grow, grab and go coffee, making it easy to enjoy, ready to drink coffee, soda consumption is certainly on the decrease um, and you know they would like to you know see like ready to drink cold coffee as pos- possibly during these summer hot days but mm-hmm. they even there is this new coffee trend which is fascinating um, morning coffee on tap you know get people mm-hmm. back in the store this whole thing about nitrogen if infused coffee which is interesting mm-hmm. and another coffee trend which is you know iced coffee is sort of given way to cold brews possibly but this mm-hmm. whole shift to specialty coffee I think is really 
um, an important element of also sudden coffee. But I would also say what's interesting about how you focus on high quality beans, that wasn't always the case. And instant coffee history that started out like in San Francisco in the 1850s with Folgers all the way to like 1937 and Nescafe and their instant coffee where I had read that Brazil um, had a coffee surplus and they asked Nescafe, could you Mm -hmm. create some kind of soluble coffee product in the 1930s that would actually be an instant coffee and that's kind of one way how that evolved but in the 1980s we saw freeze drying and that's a little bit it sounds interesting that you have kind of a freeze drying maybe a dehydration process maybe if you'd be kindly mm-hmm. share share a little bit about that Umeko. oh yeah of course um so yeah free i mean freeze drying is a really great process and there are several different methods for dehydrating coffee that are commonly used. Um, freeze drying is by far the, the best method in terms of really locking in quality. And the coffee that you can get is, um, it's like a, a really accurate, really detailed snapshot, a moment in time that's it's captured by the freeze drying process and, and turned into um, just dehydrated like a coffee powder. Um, the, the way that we uh, the way that we make our coffee is it's oh sorry that was really I had a little alarm that was loud. Um, so the way that we make our coffee is exceptional in kind of a lot of different ways and the freeze drying is part of that. The huge difference that you'll see in in our coffee comes from, you know, the ingredients that we use. So we use like really high quality roasted coffees um, and the brewing process that we use. So I, you know, worked in cafes for a long time and I approached the, um, like the coffee brewing methods that are used in, you know, commercial coffee when someone's making a a bunch of coffee to freeze dry. I approached those processes and then optimized them for quality, which had never really been done before. You know, they're optimized for other things. Um, And so that that makes a huge difference, the way that we actually brew the coffee. Um, and then our freeze drying process also is optimized for for quality as well. So we're taking a process that's um, honestly it's it's a really really good process, and just going the extra mile or or ten <laughs> with it, like really, <laughs> um, really really dialing it into a place that you know to be honest, like it's it's maybe. Um, we could totally cut costs by just doing it super fast using like a spray drying technique, for example, but that's not what we're about. We're about really good coffee. So um, everything that we do is with that in mind. How do we make this taste the best? (laughs) We make the best possible tasting coffee. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that, Umeko. So we're going to continue chatting with Umeko after the break. We're going to talk a little bit more about um, 
what it means to like ethically source some of these coffee beans and a little bit more about sudden coffee and what's in store for the future and future trends. Please stay with us and we look forward to having you back after the break. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. We've been having such a nice visit with Umeko Motoyoshi talking about some of the new trends. And uh, there's a new trend with really high quality, delicious instant coffee. We also have found that... um, the Coffee Association for 2017 has said that it's pretty hard to believe that close to 60% of coffee consumed is actually classified as gourmet or specialty coffee. So that is really a big trend for really? 2017. Yes. And um, the other interesting note is that uh, people tend to consume a lot of coffee away from the home. Um, out of home consumption is is almost close to 50%. So I think people kind of are looking for something, almost the experience, but also the ease of use is really important during our fast-paced lives. We were talking with Omeka a little bit about um, sudden coffee and how the whole freeze-drying process does happen. Um, And Omeka was also talking about some of the blends that she develops at sudden coffee, like the Helvetica blend and the Four blend, What's in store for the future of Mecco over there at Sudden Coffee? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so we have a lot of stuff coming up that I'm really excited about. Um, we, we learned a lot about our customers recently. We went through Y Combinator, and that was a super helpful experience for us. Y Combinator is a startup incubator, and... Um, through Y Combinator, we learned a lot about listening to our customers, doing customer research. We 
uh, had been kind of thinking that our customers were millennial mostly and living in cities. And then when we actually did research and learned who our most passionate and excited customers were, it was um, actually people who live outside of cities and are people who are super busy. They're often very accomplished. They're very passionate. They're in their 40s, 50s. They love good coffee. They love specialty coffee. They love fine food. And because they live in the suburbs, they don't have access to it geographically. So for those people, sudden is um, really transformative. So learning about our customer, having that understanding has been so helpful for us. And it's allowed us to really move forward confidently in developing our product and developing our, our experience because we have an understanding of, of the people who are really, really enjoying our product and what they will, um, what they'll, what they want to see, what they want to experience. So we're working on um, making things more holistic. For example, offering mugs that go with the experience. Um, we're going to offer little bonuses in each package with those customers in mind. Um, we're offering in the near future uh, more variety in terms of our coffee selection. So we uh, want our customers to be able to really have options, be able to customize their subscriptions. And this is all stuff that becomes easier with scale as we, as we grow. So we're super excited about that. Um, we have really big, exciting changes to our packaging and the sustainability of our product, which we're announcing that in two days on Thursday, so stay tuned for that. Um, and, you know, uh, I can't talk about everything else, but we have a lot that going on that I'm really excited about. And it's all thanks to this learning that we were able to learn about our, our customer and who is really enjoying our, our product and really excited about it. Well, and also uh, listening to our customers is always really important. And it seems like customers are also interested in knowing where coffee, where is it sourced? How is it grown? How are the farmers treated? It, you know, are fair wages part of the equation? And is yeah. it ethically, ethically sourced? And I know that's something that is a trend in coffee right now. Is that something that Sutton also thinks about when you're sourcing your high quality beans? Oh, yes, absolutely. The, um, the coffee that we use, that's, um, that's a must. It's, it's a given. It has to be. And we will do whatever it takes to make sure that the coffees we're using are good coffees. <laughs> and when I say good coffees, I mean very high quality, and I also mean that there's a healthy supply chain. Um, so I, we've worked with 49th Parallel Coffee Roasters for a long time. They're based in Vancouver, BC, and I went, uh, I went to Columbia with their coffee buyer, Laura. I had this um, amazing experience traveling with her and seeing how she works with farmers um, and I learned a lot from seeing how those relationships work. Um, what I really respect about 
Laura is that she has a very level-headed approach to what she does to her work. And there can be a tendency in specialty coffee to have almost a savior kind of approach or an idea of um, the coffee buyer being, uh, well, like almost a savior, I guess. And it's not, it's not very respectful. I think it doesn't really allow agency for, it doesn't allow everyone to have agency, I guess. And, and that's really important to me too. There has to be respect there and, and there has to be a recognition of the, uh, the collaborative nature. Anytime you work closely with any supplier or vendor, it's collaborative and it's never something where you're just going in and you're like, Oh, I'm teaching you how to do your job. And like, I'm, you know, like, you don't know anything. I know everything. Like that's, it's, it's really important to acknowledge um, how mutual these relationships are. And, and I love that about the way that, you know, Laura works. It was, I learned a lot from, from that. So, like, yes, you totally, like, it's a must. You absolutely must be working uh, in, in a way that's ethical. Everyone must be compensated in a way that's fair. You want to have transparency, and you also want to have a, uh, a healthy and mutually respectful relationship, just like you do in all of your relationships in, in your whole life. <laughs> True. Well, it seems like, Umeko, through your entire career, you always celebrated that element of respect and relationship and service and honesty, whether when you were um, a copy educator and teaching classes um, to refurbishing espresso machines and managing cafes. It seems like that's definitely been uh, throughout your career, uh, which is wonderful. You're also involved currently in... Um, a group called the Coffee Women Committee. Tell us, please, a little oh, bit more right. about that. Yes. Uh, the Coffee Woman is a group that was founded by Leila Gambari, who is a United States barista champion. And she, uh, she started the Coffee Woman to respond to the, the lack of representation experienced by many women in the coffee industry. I mentioned, I touched on this a little bit before. It's a, a fairly male-dominated industry. Um, not very diverse on this side of the equator. <laughs> um, there's a lot of kind of imbalance there. And um, I think the coffee industry stands to benefit so much from opening up, being a lot more inclusive, really seeking to amplify the voices of, of folks who maybe have to speak a little louder in order to be heard. So that would be often it's um, people who, like women, often people of color or um, LGBT folks. Those voices just aren't heard as, as much. And the coffee industry also because those voices aren't heard as much, because those spaces aren't seen as much, we're not able to attract as diverse of a group of people. So it sort of like maintains status quo. And the Coffee Woman is about just expanding and 
opening up the coffee industry to be more inclusive, to be more of a welcoming space for people of all backgrounds. Might you have, um, please, Umeko, a special like favorite coffee story as you've been part of that group that you could share with us? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think for me, I... I first felt like permission, I guess, to be myself when this kind of work started. And it started really, really recently. It was maybe 18 months ago where this woman, Jen Chen, who is an Asian American woman who works in coffee, wrote a blog post about race and gender in coffee. And no one had really been open about talking about that. She wrote about her racialized and gendered experiences in a way that was totally new for so many people. And another woman, um, Michelle Johnson, who's a black woman, wrote a piece about her um, gendered and racialized experiences in the coffee industry. Again, it was totally just knew no one had really been talking about this stuff. And, um, and then, you know, and Layla, uh, who is a Middle Eastern woman, she started the coffee woman and this was all very recent. And I had been watching this happen and feeling really excited about it. And there is, um, there is a moment when I started to, um, this is kind of a funny thing to describe, but so Michelle Johnson, who is, I think, just like a very brilliant, incredible thinker, um, she, she was in a video, she did a video uh, for a, a food blog, I think, in Arizona, where she has been based for a long time, and she described the experience of speaking at a coffee woman event about intersectionality, um, which would which is uh, a theory that describes the meeting place of being, uh, being black and being a woman and, and what those experiences feel like. And she talked about intersectionality in um, the coffee industry. And when I, it was such an incredible moment to, cause I had been seeing all this happen, but actually seeing the videos of this woman who, I've gotten to know her a little bit and I, she's, I'm really lucky to think of her as a friend describing what it meant to her to, to speak about that in front of this room full of coffee people um, to moderate this conversation in front of a room full of coffee people and how that was so exciting for her and so meaningful for her. It seems like such a meta thing. Like that seems very meta. But there is something about that, all of those meta layers that made it seem very real to me, if that makes sense. It made it seem, yes. it, I felt like I had, from hearing her feelings, you know, um, hearing her share so openly about how that felt to her, what it meant to her, that's when it yes. felt very, very real and I felt very touched. Oh, that's a special story. Thank you for sharing that, Umeko. Really, that's very touching. Um, 
we're we're about to close. We've loved our chat with Umeko, but I thought maybe if we could ask you one last question, please. Um, with the trend uh, with specialty coffee and sudden coffee, and we've heard kind of what's new on the horizon, um, what are some of your favorite coffee stories when you're there on the job? Oh, my favorite coffee stories on the job. Okay, I love going on social media and seeing our customers post about sudden coffee. I can never get over it. Every time someone, and this happens every day, it's, I, 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 you would think I would get used to it, but every time I am so excited. And we, at the office, we know our customers by name, many of them. And, you know, I'll be like, oh my gosh, did you see Susie's post? We loved it. Like, it's so cute. I get so excited seeing that people, like, our product so much that they post about it on the internet and they, it, it actually is something that is real and exists and makes them like excited. I can never, ever get over that. Like every time I feel like I'm a little kid. <laughs> That's so exciting. Well, <laughs> it's been so exciting to chat with you, Omeko, and we love hearing about all the projects that are going on at Sudden Coffee, as well as some of the trends that are going on in the coffee industry. And it is interesting to note, as our lives are so fast-paced, um, how we can still have a wonderful cup of coffee and, you know, still have a fast-paced life, skipping lines, avoiding you know, doing a cup, um, getting on with your day, uh, having an instant coffee possibly that is fast, pleasing, tasty, making it enjoyable, as well as just, um, you know, listening and sharing and sharing favorite coffee stories together, these relationships. And we are so grateful to you, Meko, for sharing a lot about your projects, about your career and your days and favorite coffee stories. And to our listeners, please, we'd love to continue um, the conversation with you. Please don't hesitate. If you have any questions, you can certainly email us um, at orders at anikona.com or visit myfavoritecoffeestory.com. And of course, we'd love to still continue offering our special gift on anikona.com, the 15% gift. Um, MFCSS15 is the code for that. Um, once again, it's been so fun. Some of the takeaways today, uh, we really enjoyed hearing about the trends, but we particularly enjoyed Umeka's stories about, um, you know, the specialness of listening to our customers, listening to each other and sharing in our relationships and also enjoying a good cup of coffee. We look forward to having you back next week. Thank you again for joining us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Thank you, Umeko, and we wish you a great relaxing week. Aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.